welcome to the STEM Economy with your host, Matt Bender. It is episode two of The Scam Economy. I am your host, Matt Binder, and we're coming off a big premiere week of this show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in last week to the first live episode and for downloading the first episode of the podcast. show is currently up wherever you listen to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I've heard there's some issues with uh, getting it off Google Podcasts. I'm on it. I'm working on fixing that. I'll let you know as soon as it's up there. Um, I want to thank everyone, first of all, for, for all your support. We got tons of reviews coming in, all you know, really great. People seem to really like the first episode with David Gerard. We peaked on the Apple Podcast Top Charts for Technology at number six on the very first day the show was released, and we stayed there for a few days. Um, I think we even hit number six right before the first episode went live, too. Really can't thank you all enough for the support. And uh, there's a lot of great stuff to come. And one of those great things I'm talking about is this very episode. Um, but before we get into this episode, I want to let you know that you could support this show by going to patreon.com slash mattbinder. And uh, if you would like to financially support this show, you could do so there. It helps the show grow. I could do more things with a little funding. Uh, and I really appreciate the support. Uh, for all other ways you could support the show and where you can find all the links to various uh, podcast platforms, YouTube, whatever, go to scameconomy.com. Now, at the end of our first episode with David Gerard, we touched a little bit on stable coins. We also talked a little bit about uh, crypto as a Ponzi. And now both of those things are very connected. And so for this episode, I wanted to go into a little bit more about stablecoins, specifically Tether, and how it props up the scam economy. We're still sticking to uh, very basic, straightforward stuff. I want people who aren't familiar with this world to really get an understanding of it, especially in the early episodes of this show. And I happened to come across a great article uh, that did just that on this very topic. So joining me now is writer Sohal Mordazavi. Uh, he recently wrote a piece for the Jacobin, and it went extremely viral on – where did it go viral? On Reddit? And I think I saw it getting some play on Twitter too. Is that correct? On Reddit at first, um, I kind of hit like our all through the technology subreddit, um, and that was kind of a pretty positive, I would say, uh, <laughs> uh, response to it. And then from there, I feel like all the like Bitcoin show people kind of picked up on it. And it kind of moved up to Twitter at that point um, uh, with a lot of people sending me uh, clown emojis um, ah, all day long. Of um, course. Right. Right. But, you know, on, on Reddit, it had a lot like in the in the, the tens of thousands of upvotes in just one channel and one subreddit, I should say. Uh, and, and it was in dozens more, I think I saw. Uh, so it got some real play. And the reason why is, uh, A, the article is very well done and probably uh, angered a number of uh, hardcore cryptocurrency advocates. And, uh, you know, the title of the article is Cryptocurrency is a Giant Ponzi Scheme, which, again, we're sure to rile them up, right? I mean, it's right there in the title. <laughs> yeah. But I should say uh, it's true. And, you know, in the second episode here of this show, Scam Economy, 
Uh, I thought your piece was a perfect, uh, really accessible uh, explainer to people as to why that exactly is the case. Um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of like we talked about an uh, episode one with David Gerard. A lot of what uh, cryptocurrency uh, pushers like to do is they like to use very technical jargon and show off that they know this and that. And if you don't know, you just don't get it. That's a very regular thing in this space. But it's really a you way. You understand. Yes. Yes. And, and it's a way to, you know, if, if you don't understand, you don't get it. So that means, you know, who are you to criticize it and or you just don't see the utility of it. But the, the thing is that that's just all uh, a facade, a way for them to uh, hide behind a curtain uh, because there really is no utility to any of it. Any of it. So explain to me why uh, you uh, make the case that cryptocurrency uh, is a giant Ponzi scheme. Uh, yeah, I actually listened to that episode with uh, David Gerard last uh, last night, and I thought it was great. It was a really good explainer. And he towards the end, you guys kind of started talking about Tether, which is at the heart of this. Um, and he kind of made the case that whenever people, whenever you say this, like the cryptocurrency is a Ponzi scheme, like all these people come in and they're like, well, it's not technically a Ponzi scheme. Um, and, you know, he, like he said, you know, it's kind of giving up the game at that point. Once you're saying not technically, you're admitting that it, you know, basically is a fraud, um, which it is. But still, these people come in and they're kind of like, well, you know, a Ponzi scheme is X, Y, Z. Um, and like there's some truth to that. Like uh, there is like the, the classic Ponzi is typically like a hedge fund or some kind of investment fund that is that lures in new investors and then pays out old investors with their funds. And the fraud there is that it's um, they're like the new investors are being led to believe or so all investors are being led to believe that the returns are coming from legitimate business practices. And that um, is just not true. Um, the principle is usually pocketed by the person running it or, or at least dipped into. And like that's kind of that's the fraud, you know, um, and like that's the classic Ponzi. Right. Um, and it's, so, it's it's interesting, too, because like, you know, when it comes to crypto, like. The what would like you know just common sense thinking? What would that business practice be? Now I'm not buying a product. I'm not buying a service. What what is being sold here? Like what you know? Where's the revenue coming in that I'm invest? Like what is it that I'm investing in? Like I pay money, I get more in return. How is that happen? Like you think there would be that that very basic question up front to people who are you know not in on the uh the ponzi you know the people who think that they're not investing right. in a ponzi right and so the thing is is like um that cryptocurrency isn't like that at least on the whole i mean there are these like very ponzi like ico coins that well, we won't get into, but on the whole, like Bitcoin isn't like that. Right. Um, and that's because it's the conceit of cryptocurrency is that they know this, like that their funds, like they're buying from someone so they can sell it for more. Like it's like they know that the money is coming from other investors. They're fine with it. It's like a negative sum, a zero sum game, negative sum. We can talk about why that is. Um, well, again, again we, should, we should say that the, the they here. Are yes, it's the people who probably hold the big have the biggest holdings here, but also there's a, a lot of people who uh, uh, have have put a lot less money in in the aggregate, but probably a lot of money to them who who don't actually know this. I think they do though. They know that part. I mean, they know at least that this, that they think it's speculation that's driving it. 
So they do know that they're buying from someone else. I mean, maybe like, I guess if you don't think about it at all, there's probably some like very young people who haven't thought about it. But anyone talking about Bitcoin, I mean, like, it's just the conceit of it. Like you're buying this thing that you can sell later for more. Um, so that's like the fraud part in a typical fraud view is just to get accepted with them. Right. Um, so that's not really fraudulent per se. The fraud, though, is that um, they that that's not actually true. Like they think that the price is being driven by speculation exactly. when it's actually being driven by market manipulation. Right. And this is what my jacket and piece was all about, which gets into stable coins and all the fraud going in there that's kind of driving that market manipulation. Right. Um, right. And, and, you know, we like like you mentioned in, in my conversation with David Gerard, we, we ended on stable coins. Just, that's just how the conversation ended up going. But what a perfect segue into episode two, where right. we will now be talking a little bit more about Tether specifically. And, you know, th there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Tether. But but let's 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 basically, you know, I, we've already for people who don't know, actually, let's actually do this. If you haven't seen episode one of this show and you're not familiar with what a stable coin is, what is a stable coin? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I would make the argument that there's really only two kinds of cryptocurrencies that people actually use. And I'm, people are going to like totally shit on me for saying that. And they're going to be like, no, like there's all these coins that do X, Y, Z and we'll solve these different problems in like various industries. But that's just like all hype and buzz. Like there's only two kinds that people actually use. And the first one is like Bitcoin type asset coins. And these are coins that are traded on exchanges, um, just kind of like, like any other commodity or any other financial asset. Like you go onto an exchange and you can like trade with other traders. Um, the other kind is what Tether is, which is called a stable coin. Uh, and I feel like people are less familiar with this. And I think a lot of people who actually use them don't always even realize that they actually are using them. Right. Um, and so what a stable coin is essentially is it doesn't fluctuate because its price is pegged to a fixed um, entity, which is in most cases, it's a dollar. Like with the case of Tether, which we will talk about, um, one Tether is worth one dollar. Um, and that is because originally because Tether said so. They said that one Tether is equal one dollar and we're going to issue these digital tokens and that's what they're going to be worth. And the justification was because they claimed was that they had a dollar in reserve for each tether they issued and insinuated that people were buying them from them directly, which um, all turned out to be a lie. Uh, they're not back. Their latest public attestation claimed they had 3% of reserves in cash, um, which also might be a lie. We don't really know. Um, they're mostly backed, according to them, are mostly backed by commercial paper, which are kind of like IOUs from companies. But I mean, all this is just mystification. Like, we don't know if these companies exist. They could be owned by the same people that own Tether. They could be like, you know, printing Tether, buying Bitcoin, saying that the Bitcoin is backing the Tether. Like, it really doesn't matter because the point at the end of the day is they're just printing these in thin air. There's no regulation. They just like print them and they send them to the exchanges. Um, and I should also say that the people who own Tether also own Bitfinex, which is a major unbanked exchange. It's based in Hong, at least. Uh, it's headquartered in Hong Kong originally, and I think they're banking out of the Virgin Islands. It's a little like they're kind of hard to find in general at this right. point. Right. Um, always, always so, a, a good, you know, always a good uh, uh, thing to have when you're a, a large financial institution of uh, a claim to be at the very least. Uh, when you can't find where the company is actually located, or uh, you do know, and they're located in a place like, you know, the Virgin Islands or the Cayman Islands or some other, uh, you know, uh, wonderful hub where uh, tax, uh, you know, uh, avoiders go and other uh, great individuals go to start businesses specifically. 
Yeah, I think right now they're um, like they're, I guess, banking in the Virgin Islands is the last I heard. I think this came out in the Panama Papers. And this is actually or the Paradise Papers. Sorry, um, which is actually how we know that Bitfinex and um, Tether share a parent company called Ifinex. Uh, but yeah, it's just I mean, it's all like just shady, shady stuff. Right, right. Um, so, um, yeah, so the like claimed point of these stable coins is that a lot of these exchanges operate overseas and they don't have good access to banks. Um, Tether, for example, lost access several years ago. I think Wells Fargo cut them off. Um, they didn't give reason, but it was basically money laundering stuff. It just, it's like very shady. They didn't want to be involved with it. Um, and so at that point, that, this is when they really started printing Tether more and more um, because they needed it to provide liquidity on exchanges. Because, I mean, when you go to an exchange, obviously, you don't buy cryptocurrencies from the exchange. They just, they're custodial services that right. facilitate transactions between traders. Um, but to do that, they have to be able to change people in and out of dollars. But these exchanges don't have dollars, certainly not like at the uh, at the level they claim to, they claim to anyway. Um, so they this allows traders to move in and out of like Bitcoin positions or any kind of asset position or any crypto asset position. Um, and which is which what people do. And they do get used this way. It actually is a legitimate. It's not a legitimate. It's like a functional use that it actually facilitates. Right. Trading. Or if you're looking to like put your money in an exchange, I guess, and you have to pick a, a crypto for it to sit there because you're not sure what to, you know, what, what you need it for yet. But you're in, it's in that exchange. Right. Uh, a stable coin like Tether is usually what you would keep your money in that'd be the, the 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 form of crypto you keep your money in because you know the price isn't moving anywhere whereas you know if you leave it in bitcoin or ether or any other crypto that isn't a stable coin you know your $200 could be 300 tomorrow it could be $50 tomorrow you don't know right right so yeah it's like when people want to go into like a cash position but there's no cash on these exchanges um, so that's the claimed legitimate use. The issue is that they're issuing tethers like at an exponential rate. There is no possible universe in which they need all this to facilitate daily trading volumes. And so the question is, why are they doing this? And so researchers have looked into this. And there's a, I think I brought up in my piece, there's like a 2017 paper by two researchers whose names I'm forgetting right now. We should put it in notes or something. Uh, they kind of looked into this, and they were some of the first people to look into this. And what they discovered was that on Bitfinex, uh, tethers were being used to buoy the price of Bitcoin whenever it was falling. And it was like in a pattern that was very clearly market, market manipulation. Um, and this has also um, been like confirmed by other people as well. Like people, I guess, The thing is, this is all on the blockchain. Like Tether at the time was on the Ethereum blockchain, and now it's also on Tron and a few other blockchains. But it's all out in the open. Like we can see what they're printing, we can see where it gets sent. Um, so we know this is happening. We know they're not burning these tokens. Right, so just and just, just to the, be just to be clear for people, oh, sorry. To, to really, because I really want people to understand this, because you know uh, a lot of crypto shows out there, if they do even cover this, they're they're going through this with even more, like we were talking about earlier, you know, technical jargon than uh, weird even. Um, but let's even right. let's even really break it down even more for people. So basically, what's going on here? Then uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Tether prints up uh, this. Tether prints up all this. This Tether, like the company that runs Tether, uh, prints up all this Tether. And when they see the price of Bitcoin falling, in order to prop that up, they use that Tether, which isn't backed by anything. They're just printing it up out of thin air, monopoly money. Um, 
they use that tether to buy up the Bitcoin to drive up the price of Bitcoin. Now, remember, there is no actual uh, U.S. dollar or any other, you know, you know, pound in the U.K., a euro, nothing actually that's, uh, you know, that's real money is being put into this when they use that tether to prop up those Bitcoin prices by buying up Bitcoin so the prices go back up. Yeah, uh, that's the allegation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually not a very complicated scam. Right. I mean, that's what the researchers allege. That is what a 2019 class action lawsuit alleges. And it's just like common sense. Like they don't, there's no other real reason why they would need to keep printing like billions and billions and billions of these. Like it just, and they never burn them. Whenever they stop printing for a few weeks, which has happened um, every like six months or so, the price craters, which happened like I recently when the price cratered, I think it happened back in November, I think last March, don't quote me on those dates. But if you go and like look at the print, like if you go to coinmarketcap.com, you can see the market cap of tethers and like the total um, in circulation. And it just maps on perfectly. Right. Um, and there's and there's um, there are like public uh, I've seen Twitter accounts for one as one example that actually track uh, because again, this is all on the blockchain, so it's all uh, you know accessible information and data that anyone can go see. But there are data trackers on Twitter that actually you know tweet out when Tether prints up, uh, you know when Tether is printed up, and exactly how much is printed up. And just out of the blue, out of nowhere, you'll see these huge sums of money in Tether printed up and and un, like released out to the out there and you you know that there's no way this influx of actual US dollars that tether claims that it's backed by you know that much money just didn't go into the uh you know into tether to back all that tether that was just printed right and it's like usually i mean it's getting exponentially like more and more so now we're getting to the point where it's like a billion or two a week often comes out um and it's, yeah, it's pretty hilarious. It's always like in very round numbers. You think they would at least try to like fudge it a little bit, but they don't. Um, but yeah, some of the Twitter accounts following this are pretty hilarious. And I, I might say his name wrong. Pa, is it Paolo Arduino, Arduino, I think, oh, yeah. who yeah, is the CTO of right, Tether, right. Um, has even responded to some of these. And his like, it's like just comical, like trying to explain away like why they're sending $2 billion out to Bitfinex like in the middle of the night on like a Saturday or Tuesday morning or something. Right. And I mean, they've gotten into trouble uh, with, um, with, I mean, we're getting into regulation in a bit, but there have been, for example, um, in New York, Attorney General Letitia James went after them, didn't she? Right, right. Yeah, they were banned in New York um, for a while. I, I wish I, I should look this up. I'm, are they still banned in New York? Um, I know that they settled a lot. I think they, they settled for like eighteen point five. They settled, million. yes. Um, I mean, there are exchanges that are uh, banned in New York. Like you, sometimes you'll go to sign up for like crypto.com uh you know the the wonderful namesake of the crypto.com uh, arena formerly the staples center um i know that uh you can't use them in new york state because they don't have the proper licensing that new york state requires for an institution that's providing uh financial services right right and i'm, I'm guessing that new york has been kind of more on, on top of this than everywhere else i'm assuming because it's, you know the stock exchange, like all the financial center that New York right. is, it makes sense that they would have more regulation. Um, but the rest of the states really haven't. Like, I'm, there's been attempts at regulation now, and I feel like the like the DOJ and the SEC are kind of closing in. But I mean, our country is basically ungovernable with our political system, and so like any like actual 
bill, like the Stable Act that the Biden, or sorry, the Stable Act that was introduced, I think by several, I think it was bipartisan, I think there's a few Democrats, a lot of Democrats and a few Republicans tried to put forward is just like kind of dying in Congress. Um, Biden did like a investigation recently, but it's just like, it's all moving very, very slow. Um, and, and it's just really unfortunate. I don't, I mean, I feel like until it really blows up and a lot of people get hurt, like it's just nothing's going to be really done about it. Yeah. We have a very it's, reactionary government, not a, you know, it, it's gotta, something's, something's gotta happen first for anything to happen. A bridge has got to fall before we start yeah. caring about an infrastructure. Uh, you know, some, some people have to get hurt. Um, but you know, it is ironic that, you know, and this isn't for everybody, like, but like I spoke with uh, David Gerard in episode one, uh, there is a certain type of crypto advocate and fan and investor and, uh, you know, promoter that does have an ideological bend and they tend to be like, you know, libertarian or, or right wing. And it is ironic to me that the very thing that they usually have this laser focus critique of the United States government and our financial system and the treasury is that basically the U.S. just prints up money whenever it just prints up money. And they've backed the system uh, where, A, that's happening, and uh, B, it is even, uh, you know, th th there's arguments, obviously, that, you know, the government prints up money and it's actually good for the economy when that happens. Uh, but there's no such government backing Tether or any other crypto. And in this case, that printed money is used, being used for pure market manipulation. Right. Well, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it never makes sense because those people are, you know, they point to the 2007, 2008 crash as like, the reason that we needed Bitcoin. Um, but the thing is, is that the issue with the crash was because there wasn't enough regulation and there was all this shady stuff going on in, like, in legal markets. And then that was kind of shut down after the crash and again, a reactionary way. And it's, so it's now being under the Trump administration, a lot of, it, a lot of those regulations were kind of rolled back. So we're seeing it again now. Um, that's probably a topic for a different podcast. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, to me, it's just misdirection. Like, I, I, it's like you were saying earlier, they use all this like tar like jargon and this techno babble that is just trying to mystify and convince normal people they just don't understand and that doesn't make sense on its face. And I think it's just more of that. I mean, I don't. It seems like to me, it's all very insincere. Um, like I said earlier, I, I've been getting a, like a lot of harassment from these people, which is totally fine with me. <laughs> I mean, I think it's kind of funny. It doesn't bother me, but it's been, it's been interesting to watch because you do get a lot of like right-wingers um, coming in with, like, yeah, this like libertarian rhetoric, which doesn't totally make sense, um, but is kind of like, you know, just par, par for course. Um, and then the other thing I've gotten a lot of is there's this new like branch of like progressive Bitcoiners that are kind of trying to greenwash the Bitcoin movement, I think. Yeah, so um, I wanted to bring that up I've with you been because, you know, obviously, oh, you know, you wrote this for the ja uh, Jacobin and it just makes sense to talk about this. Obviously, I'll probably I'll probably have a, a number of those very uh, types of people on this show. Uh, there's people who, like you said, make the argument that uh, I, and I've gotten it all the time. And it's usually this is usually how it's brought up to me, you know, uh, progressives slash socialists slash the left. Maybe they'll name all three. Maybe they'll just name one, but it's usually in that grouping of people are making a real mistake not getting into cryptocurrency. Uh, they are letting the right wing take over this space. 
they should really get into it because it is actually a progressive slash leftist slash socialist uh, uh, thing. And, um, you know, the idea that it isn't inherently a right wing space. It's not like right wingers took it over. I mean, it literally was developed by people with that sort of libertarian ideology. Um, so, I mean, it's inherently ingrained into the very foundation of the blockchain and Bitcoin. And then as a result, all the other cryptos and, and Web3 related stuff. Um, so you've gotten those people coming at you, I assume. Yeah, yeah, I have. And to me, it's just, I mean, I've actually engaged with those people more because I find I find it more interesting. It's They tend to be like less trolling and they try to like... Um, engage you like a little more thoughtfully but at the end of the day it's kind of like the same argument just sort of like rebranded but in greenwashed um it just it, you feel like you get the same kind of misdirection like they do the same kind of like what about is like the right wingers will be like isn't the entire economy a like a ponzi and i'm like oh, what i get what no, I, what it's, really, already, it's really not what i've already gotten was because the name of this show isn't everything the scam economy like isn't the economy itself a scam um, but you're right. Like it is a misdirection because the idea that being a cryptocurrency critic or even anti-crypto uh, means that you are pro the system in place is just a, a fraudulent argument. Because because they come from the idea that you know the current system is bad. This is the alternative presented to us. Alternative to what is bad must be good. And that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, I think um, it, it has all the the makings of being uh, possibly even worse. I mean, it can be worse. Uh, obviously, there is an entire history of uh, uh, you know, and that's produced uh, you know, well, uh, a very uh, powerful, wealthy people uh, and institutions that hold up the current system. But that's the only thing holding back crypto, in my estimation, from even being worse. It's just too new to be at that point, to be at that level. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, to me, like being on the left for me personally is that I, I mean, I believe that the economy should be brought under greater democratic control. That's like what I, that's like how I see being on the left, at least in economic terms. Um, and cryptocurrency is just like, it's like the exact opposite of that. Cause like you're privatizing the entire financial system and like the issue with like central banks i mean i think like central banks should be brought more under economic control you have these like technocrats right now controlling them but the solution to that is not to hand it over to like peter Thiel or something like you know like i want more democratic control not less and you're just privatizing so i don't i mean i'm not like in the like anarcho whatever like realm of of the left in any way so to me maybe that's just like my shortness of vision but i just don't see how you can make any kind of left left case for like privatizing the financial system and handing it over to private actors, um, which is really what's happening. And, and, and people would, I think, people on the left Bitcoin world would be like, "Well, you're not. You're handing it over to the people." But that's just not true. Like the Bitcoin, like blockchain, is just like a blockchain. It's but there are like anyone can make a Bitcoin blockchain. Anyone can make a stablecoin. Anyone can make an exchange. And so like in practice, these things are being driven by private actors, and they're being driven by unregulated private actors. And like that's the issue. Um, and one step beyond that, I would say that there's just really like you you can't regulate this because it doesn't work. Like it is a scam. And like crypto 
only works, like it's inherently inefficient. It's inherently a negative sum game because it takes massive amounts of electricity, which I, I know you've talked about before, to run these blockchains at scale. And so they kind of can only operate at small scale or at a loss. And the only way that they work is as a Ponzi. And so like if you let's, regulate let's actually, them, they get, will go away. Right, right. Let, let's actually get into that a little bit more and then we'll get into, you know, uh, what should be done. Um, but, you know, I, I want to sort of sort of really lay it out here because you bring up how, uh, you know, how integral the and, and, you know, this is should be obvious, although even crypto advocates argue against this. But to me, it's just so nonsensical. Just the the overall uh, power that crypto miners, let's take Bitcoin, for example, have over that crypto that they are they're mining. I mean, in your piece, you lay out just how much money they put into mining crypto, uh, mining Bitcoin, I should say, and just how much of it just evaporates, which in turn takes that money uh, out of this market that desperately needs money for people to even cash out. Could you go a little bit more into that? Yeah, yeah. So there was a researcher who put out a, a really fascinating blog. I, it's a little old now. I think it was from maybe March last year, who kind of like just did all the math on this. And again, I can send you a link to that later if you'd like. Or I think it's in my Jacobin piece, actually. Um, and he was calculating that it was now about a billion dollars every month that was being spent on mining. And it cumulatively was like 20 billion at the time he wrote it. And I think it's closer to 25 billion now has been sent to miners. And some of that's profit for the miners, but a lot of it actually is just going into electricity costs. Actually, I think he actually calculated just the electricity cost. I think the actual money going to miners is, is even greater than that. Um, yeah, so they're I, I keeping also, profits too. I, I just want to hate to cut you off here, but I also no, this, this is something where crypto people also, uh, you know, it's a common thing when you bring up the miners and their their role in crypto. You know, they like to play down just uh, you know just how how much they hold. I mean. This is a huge, huge uh, investment for them to make. We're talking equipment that costs millions and millions and millions, if not even more than millions of dollars. Right. Um, and then the energy cost, like you mentioned, there is a huge amount of money. There is a huge amount of money that they are making because otherwise it would not be worth it for them. Like they're doing all of this because uh, – the trade-off is completely worth it to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it is. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like people make money in Ponzi schemes all the time, um, and they're the miners themselves, especially like the big industrial farms, which is all mining now in the case of Bitcoin, are turning a profit. Like you said, or they just like wouldn't do it. Um, and there are people even buying. If you buy and hold and sell long enough before it collapses, like you can make money off of it. Um, but the, yeah, I mean, so the thing is like the miners though, like a lot of that money is going to them. So they're taking it out of the system. And then also they're burning it, um, to, you know, to run these mining farms. And I don't, if people haven't like seen these, you should, they should like Google them because they're just wild. They're like warehouses of like computer graphic cards, just a daisy chained, like up and down. It looks like an Amazon warehouse of like video cards. It's, it's truly wild. And I think we should say also like, I mean, as people say famously, like, I think it's now taking a point, like half a percent of all the world's electricity usage. And this is like, this is linked to the price. So the higher the price goes, the harder it gets to buy Bitcoins. This is inefficient by design. I, I wish people um, who... This is how the 
I wish the mainstream public Sorry, knew God. that like uh, I mean, there are people who know, obviously, but I wish more people in the mainstream knew that this is a major uh, part of why you can't get certain uh, parts for your computer rig uh, like you just want to use for work or for, uh, you know, as a hobby or for fun, entertainment or your video game consoles. Like this is the reason why that you either can't find it or you're seeing the prices of it go way, way up. It's because these mining rigs are taking up all of it. You know, yeah, like mining graphics cards that were like a couple hundred dollars a few years ago are now running like fifteen hundred dollars something, two thousand. I've seen like just crazy, crazy prices. Um, which again is more. Again, that's like more money that's like going into this. It's just like gone. And I guess they could resell those later on when this all collapses. But the costs are real. And so at the end oh, of the day, you know what? I'm sorry, but not not even really because yeah. the the strain that mining puts on some of this stuff is i know that there is there was a hard drive sh uh, uh, uh shortage uh when this crypto i think it was called i think it's called chia uh was was um was launched and it was on uh, uh the the big sell here was instead of using graphics cards it was using hard drives uh to mine and People were going through these hard drives, and obviously the strain on a hard drive is much worse than a strain on a computer, like a graphics card. But um, you're ruining the, like these hard drives are ruined after going through the 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 system on a number of different cycles, and then they gotta not only buy new hard drives to grow their rig, they have to buy new hard drives to replace the ones that have just been put through the uh, the system here. Um, I, again, you know, hard drive is a little bit different than graphics card, but some of this stuff, you, they won't even be able to resell because it'll just be ruined from mining. Yeah, and that's probably true of the graphics cards as well. I'm sure they have a limited life. And I, there was an article, had it been in the Financial Times recently, somewhere, that was talking about like the per-transaction uh, e-waste that was being created. And I, I'm forgetting the figures, but it was it was like wild. It was just so much, so much just like waste. Um, right. Yeah, it's just wild. Um, but yeah, so the thing is, I, to me, the important part about this is that these are real costs that have to be paid. Um, and the higher the price goes, the higher the costs go. Um, and I don't, I don't want to get too into the weeds on mining here right. in this episode because it seems like off. Oh, there's a whole, this, that's, that's like probably, yeah. you could probably you, everything that I am going to talk about on this show can probably have its very own like web, like a uh, like podcast right. series on just that one aspect. Like it's incredible just how involved some of this stuff is. Um, let's get to, uh, you know, we briefly touched on regulation and how, you know, it's just going to, uh, it's you know it's not really you can't regulate uh, something that's an outright scam from the get go, um, and how also I think another thing is I think it will add uh, legitimacy to it. I mean, uh, do we really want to legitimize this this whole industry? Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, and this is in, the, in my piece, I made the uh, argument the only real solution, and I'm willing to get pushback on this, but. To me, it seems just to ban it outright. And by that, I mean just ban the trade of cryptocurrencies entirely. And that would be hard to enforce because they're on private networks. But what's not hard to enforce is banks doing it. And right now, you have like all these unbanked exchanges like trading in tethers and manipulating the price. But everyone who's actually cashing out of the Ponzi scheme is doing so on a regulated exchange, either in the U.S. or in South Korea or someplace where they have actual um, 
yeah, banked ex- or exchanges with like regular banking relationships. And for the most part, I mean, I'm always like a little suspect of these um, exchanges because they're not very well regulated either. But for the most part, they're like following like some standard banking regulation. Um, but they're the off ramps. Like without them, they no one can get out of this. No one can get into cash because that's the whole point of this. Like I don't even think like the tether scam isn't to like drive up the Bitcoin price and then go sell it for as much as you can. Cause like, there's just not, I mean, the point is to like get people to buy into it so that you can then sell it out for cash on a bank exchange, which is again, how Ponzi's work. Um, and so if you take away those cash off ramps, the whole thing just falls apart. Like you can manipulate the price of Bitcoin as high as you want, but if you can't trade it for actual dollars and there's like, there's no point, the costs are real. So the miners are going to stop mining the prices will fall and the whole thing goes away or at least i think would go back to being like it was like cheap coins being traded between enthusiasts um right i mean if you i personally if you you watch any like if you watch like any of the the meme coins when there is uh, a big sell-off from a whale once they you know regardless of whether it's a it's a it's a rug pull or a rug pull again is when the uh the the coin founder decides to pull all his holdings, which is usually a lot. Um, when the whale is still off, you'll see that once it gets to a point where um, there's not enough money for everyone to cash out, like people have the, their, 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 their investment is stuck in a coin. That's when like, you know, that coin's completely dead. But then of course, at that point, a lot of people are screwed. Right, right, right. Which is, I mean, I think what, I mean, that's what's going to happen here when we, if we ban everything. Like, I mean, it would be a clusterfuck. Like, it's going to not be pretty. As we've got, we let it get so big, like, someone's going to get burned. Again, like, I, the point I was trying to make earlier about all that money being spent on the graphic cards and the electricity is that that money is just gone. Like, you can't, tra- even if you could trace back all the semi anonymous transactions and try to claw people their money back you a lot of it's just gone like it literally was burned and spent on this which makes it um worse than a ponzi scheme like worse than a traditional ponzi scheme uh so i just there's really no i mean people are gonna get hurt at this point i i don't really know any good way to unwind it it's gotten so big um right it's just kind of it's unfortunate i'm hopefully people get bailed out in some way but that's the only. I, that's the only way I can really see this, like not ending bad for retail at this point. I, I mean, unless you have other ideas, I'd no, love to I hear. Mean, like, I, th- that's the thing, though. Like, I, I, I don't like, uh, and and this is always something that I make quite clear to people who try to criticize my stance on crypto. I, I don't have. I don't pontificate about what I think is going to happen because, listen, throughout history, we've seen that. Uh, people get themselves into really dumb situations. They invest into really dumb things, and they'll repeat that over and over and over again. It's like they never learn their lesson. And this is not like it's not even just individuals; human beings as a whole throughout history. Um, so you know, this crypto could go on for for my you know my whole lifetime. Who knows? I mean, I, I can't claim that you know. I know like, and I know there are some people out there who are like, oh, you know, oh, Bitcoin's going down. This is the end. I mean. I, I think that's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. To me, actually, the more popular it gets and the larger it becomes and the more of a foothold it has in the financial sector and in uh, how society views it, I think uh, the, 
the criticism is even more important and it even fits even better because then you have more people who are part of this scam. It's like, you know, uh, how a small like MLM scheme, a multi-level marketing scheme doesn't really, you know, doesn't doesn't get the headlines. But then if you got a big you know, Bernie Madoff-esque Ponzi, the reason everyone knows about it is because a lot of money was lost. And in that case, we're not even talking about uh, – you know, a small number of very wealthy people. We're not even talking about the sheer amount of regular traditional investors and and just like people who just throw money in there uh, that we got with crypto. Um, you know, it's 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 something I where mean, the thing is, it's something where you don't really have to know the answer to what what we can do about it because. Um, the thing is to me right now is just to let as many people as possible know that it's exactly what it is that's in the title of your piece. It's a, it's a Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's worse. I mean, like I said, like the, the money, can, I mean, the thing is a, a lot of, inv- I think most of the money now has been clawed back for Madoff investors. Like everyone got it back. It took like, you know, 10 years or whatever, but they got the money back. It's, but this time it's just not going to happen. It's right. really not possible. Right. I mean, I, I, if, if this was something where it was just like gambling or like the lottery and this is how it was sold and, you know, we could make that argument, I guess, that gambling is bad, but let's not, uh, I mean, yes, I agree, but let's not even go there. Um, I, but we don't do that. Like crypto is being promoted as two things. One, uh, which is to me the most problematic, uh, a a way to change the entire uh, system, financial system, the internet, how everything works. And then B, it's also proposed separately or together, it depends on who you talk to, as a investment vehicle. And both are very problematic. Uh, and neither make the case that like, hey, you know, it's just gambling. You, you put what you can and you, you're going to lose. The house always wins. They don't say that, though. It's every single time. Like, even the press constantly promotes these people who, oh, meet the Dogecoin millionaire. Oh, meet the family who put some money into I, this and they ended up becoming millionaires. It's you, like it's it's unbelievable how much this is stuff is being promoted as a win, win, win. Put your money in, cash out, you're going to win. And no one is really taking uh, not no one because there's a lot of people who do but no one in that world or in the main honestly is looking at this for what it is yeah and i regarding the media i don't really entirely understand it like i actually i mean i've been following this for some time i pinched it around to like a lot of progressive magazines uh like a year or two ago and they just like no one's really that interested in it i guess i don't know if it's because it's too technical or they just don't get it, or they think it's too obvious that it's a scam, that it's not worth talking about how it's a scam. Um, but people just like aren't that interested. And like you do get like all these puff pieces instead that are just like, yeah, like you said, like so and so made a you know hundred million dollars. And like this has been going on now for like 13 years. Um, and like getting really bad in the last like six, seven, eight. And there's just not that much interest in it. I'm hoping it changes after this bubble first this time um but i'm not holding my breath and like you like i don't make any like short-term predictions because it could go on for a long time like madoff ran his ponzi scheme for 17 years possibly much longer um i all the costs involved in running crypto blockchains i'm a little more skeptical but you know we're getting close to 17 years now so the issue the issue Um, here though is that 
um, unlike, I guess, in those other schemes, there is tra- uh, there is you know more traditional venture capitalist types who are backing this stuff, which also props it up the whole industry. Like they may not, um, you know, they don't have to specifically invest in a specific crypto, but they invest in some sort of Web three or blockchain technology, which in turn legitimizes it and says, "Hey, this is uh, a, a a burgeoning new." Uh, space where if you're a upcoming entrepreneur, you should look at, and then more people get into the space, developing these companies that basically prop up the whole scam, uh, no utility, and then you got you know universities going, oh, there's a whole industry out there. We got to teach this. We have courses, so you know uh, our students going into the world can get into this space if they if they want to, and it's, it's that's what I think makes this different than the rest. Um, you know, Madoff wasn't selling his, uh, his scheme as a, uh, you know, it was, it was a, I'll get you rich if you invest in what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. He wasn't creating a whole new space or industry. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really gross. I and mean, there's a whole cottage, I mean, it's, I can't even call it a cottage industry now. You know, like Coinbase IPO'd for $100 billion almost. Like these, there's like, major major investment firms are launching like launching like the grayscale bitcoin fund fidelity has one like it's becoming a common thing and most of these companies aren't really investing in crypto themselves they're just providing custodial services um and for the most part rushing towards ipo or like going public through like an SPAC or something because i mean these people know i mean this isn't like my the thing i wrote is like not even like it's not not even original reporting. I was trying to trying to synthesize like reporting to ex- simply explain like what's going on to people since no one in the mainstream press is doing this, and it's just not a secret. These guys know like everyone at Coinbase knows, even though they made no mention of Tether in their S one filing papers when they went public to, to the SEC, which I, I imagine they will be dragged before Congress for at some point in the future. People hope, I hope. Um, but yeah, it's just like a parasitic industry on top of uh, a parasitic Ponzi scheme, just like Ponzi's on top of Ponzi's. And like, it's gotten so big, I, I feel surprised by it. I'm like always blown away. Um, but yeah, these people know. There's just, it's no way the people at Coinbase are not aware of what we're talking about right now. It's completely impossible. They were not aware of this like seven, eight years ago. Right. And they continue operating. Right. I mean, I, I should add, I just realized uh, I, I sort of downplayed the idea of regulating the, the industry. I'm for regulation. I just think, obviously, that's currently what's going to be needed because the, uh, the thing that needs to be done isn't going to be done. Um, you know, no one's going to stamp out this whole space. So regulation is the next best thing that can be done. Um, you know, uh, hopefully that keeps uh, uh, people away honestly they'll see that there's certain things and aspects that they might not like about it once them there's some sort of regular regulate regulatory body looking at this stuff and and policies that they have to follow um so so let's 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 leave this let's leave it here your your article got a lot of attention like we talked about earlier um what was is there, is there a specific uh comment or two or point or two or you know, rebuttal or two that's that sticks out to you in terms of like whether it be ridiculous or even good. Maybe someone made a good point that def- so maybe someone defended crypto that made you rethink your position. I doubt it, but who knows? 
Um, no, no one can rethink my position. Um, like I said, there's like kind of like these two sets of critics. There's like the right wing, laser eyed. I'm saying the right wing. They're like claiming libertarian point of view. I think they're descriptors and chills or people who like got into this thing and don't want to be a sucker. So they're like parroting the same point and they, you know, they haven't, like, they haven't made their money yet. So they don't want to be the sucker. Um, and then there's also these like p- other set of people who are making kind of the same arguments through a progressive lens, which I, as I said, I found a little more interesting. Um, but it's all the same arguments. They say like, you know, it doesn't waste that much energy. They talk about like these edge cases, like we can burn like, um, like uh, unusable or financially like methane. They can't be. I'm forgetting the word I'm trying to use here. There's like these pockets of methane that aren't worth actually like exploiting um, commercially. And they're claiming that like Bitcoin people can go in and like use this to mine Bitcoin. Um, That stuff is just, I mean, it's all edge cases. So to me, it's just misdirection. It also doesn't really make sense because the entire point of Bitcoin mining is to be inefficient. And if you made Bitcoin mining efficient, or costless, it would no longer secure the network. It wouldn't right. even like serve the purpose. And again, these people know this. Like it's just like it's misdirection, it's mystification. Um, nothing really stuck out to me. I, I got a lot of talk about how I'm privileged to live in a country with a functioning banking system, which is true. Um, but you know, I, I mean, there's like case report to people sending money, like in El Salvador, and like. Um, other places in Venezuela. And I, you know, this probably happens sometimes. I don't doubt that there are people in Venezuela using crypto to send money else out of the country. But that doesn't mean it's not a Ponzi scheme. I mean, like the, the solution to poverty is not get to get people to invest with like Madoff investment securities. That doesn't really like fix right. the problem. Right. And it also um, completely avoids the top, the, even, even a more foundational problem here where, all right, your solution is this digital money. Uh, these people uh, in these countries you're talking to who could possibly benefit from this, how are they going to even use it when they don't even have the system, the, the, the infrastructural system there in that country to provide them with, you know, uh, internet, Wi-Fi, even, even a, a mobile device, uh, depending on what countries we're talking right. about, where that's not even accessible for them. Um, it, it, right, right. Even at that level, it doesn't solve the problem. And instead of, you know, Instead of even dealing with that in order to pump up crypto in the long term, they're not interested. Like, you know, you think if this was a long term deal for you, then you thought you really believe these things would help those those countries, those people in those countries. You would deal with that foundational problem first. But I don't see any like any big push to like fix any of those issues. No, no. I mean, it's all just greenwashing. Um there's not, not a lot to say about it, but I think I mean I you should have one some of those people on. I could, I've met a few now, and I can push some of them your way if you're interested. Oh yeah, definitely. Because um, yeah. they were talking. Yeah, definitely. Uh, send yeah, me, I have a, uh, yeah, send I will. I have a person in mind who I thought was pretty um, good faith, um, and she seemed like a true believer. I think. Um, so I'm sure she's also heavily invested in this stuff. So it's like it's pretty easy to believe that which makes you rich. So. No, but um, for sure, send me yeah. those people. I, like I, I said that at the very beginning of the show. Uh, I want to talk to everybody in this uh, who has any interest in this because um, it's important to hear from uh, the critics and the advocates because that's how you fully will understand uh, that uh, the, the scheme going on here, honestly, in my opinion. I mean, they're going to try to argue different, but I think their arguments probably 
I'm going to end up backing up my uh, my overall thesis here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it will. I mean, but they do that stuff. I mean, like, it's so much whataboutism. It's so much like talking you into circles and like you like respond to one thing and then they're like, they change the subject on you. It's just like, it's a little crazy making. So I try not to engage in it too much, but um, it's probably worth doing. I mean, I definitely engage in those arguments. Like, like I read a lot of like pro Bitcoin, pro crypto um, journalism, but talking to them is a little bit much at times for me. Right. But I, I, I think you should. I will for sure. Uh, so, so how more does Zavi? Uh, was there anything else you wanted to say, or, or? No, I mean I think we hit all the big points. I mean, people who are interested, they should read my article. It's like short, and I think I again I tried to make it like very clear. I tried not to get. You know, too, I, I wanted to explain how crypto worked without getting too bogged down in the details um, to kind of cut through all that mystification. Um, but no, I have nothing to add, really. Right. No, perfect. So how Mordazavi definitely check out his piece. Cryptocurrency is a giant Ponzi scheme. It's in uh, Jacobin. Uh, link will be in the description of the podcast and YouTube video. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. And what would you, where can people uh, find you online or uh, anything you want to promote that's upcoming or a website or something? Please feel free to let people know where they can find you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter now. I wasn't until this. Um, they can find me there. Um, my name is kind of hard to spell. If you just Google the Jacobin Ponzi scheme crypto, you'll, I'll come up and you can find my work. Through. I write to Jacobin um, pretty regularly in other outlets. Um, you know, I'm working on some like big other projects at the moment, so nothing to super promote. All right. Sounds good. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. This is great. And there you have it. Another episode of scam economy in the bag. And you know what? This is a bag that's safe to hold and no, no investment to lose here. Folks, once again, patreon.com slash Matt Bender to support this show. Scameconomy.com for all the links to various podcast platforms, YouTube links, anything you want to know about this show, again, scameconomy.com. You can reach out to me at Matt Binder on Twitter or at my email, which is also on the website, where you can send whatever you're interested in being uh, covered on this show. Send me some links to things you've come across. If you're a crypto critic, a crypto advocate, and you want to talk to me, uh, you can call into the show on the post show uh, via Skype, or if you know you want to come on as a guest, you can reach out to me uh, via uh, DM on Twitter or email, and we'll set something up. You can check out my other show on right wing politics at doomedcast.com. There's so much crap going on in the crypto space that there's no way I could catch all of it. So please feel free to send emails and DMs, uh, and I'll catch you all next time on the scam economy. Yeah.